Hi, I'm Richard O'Brien, and you're listening to Now Here We Are 30 Years Later, a memoir in Mountain Goat Songs. Each episode looks at a year in my life through the lens of a song by John Darnielle. In this introductory episode, I explain the general idea behind the project and talk about Soutoir Valley's song from the 2011 album All Eternal's Deck. This all starts, I think, with a post on a fan forum that no longer exists. I could go digging through the rubble on archive.org and try to dust down the precise phrasing, but I sort of like what the slow attrition of link rot has done to the thing I'm remembering. A few lines of text on a late 2000s message board have taken on some of the inscrutability of an archaeological artefact, perhaps of the kind which, in a common joke, is explained away as having ritual purposes. Here's what I remember, anyway. Sometime around 2006, I got into the Mountain Goats, an American band usually roughly slotted into the indie rock niche and centred on the songwriting of singer-songwriter John Darnielle. I found them completely by accident on a peer-to-peer file-sharing service, got heavily into their three most recent albums, Tallahassee, We Shall All Be Healed, The Sunset Tree, and started posting on the forums at mountaingoats.com at a time when the band's public profile was low-key enough that Darnielle himself could comfortably moderate the space. At some point within a couple of years of this, and certainly before 2018 when the forum links became fully defunct, somebody, not me, asked the singer a question. Something about which songs of his people would still be listening to in a hundred years. This was the first space in which I'd seriously started to discuss with fellow listeners the art of the man who I'd recently decided was my favourite writer, so I paid attention to his answer. And with apologies to John himself for any unintentional paraphrase... Here's the gist of what I remember him saying. I'd be surprised if much of anything recorded today was being listened to in a hundred years, let alone my stuff. Not, I think, because of any sense that the work being produced around him wasn't inherently worthy, but for the reasons already alluded to. Data is lost. Snakes slither in the sun across Roman fora in a jaunty 2020 update of French poet Lamartine's romantic vision of the ruins of the Colosseum infested with lizards. And the absolute acceleration of artistic production made possible by new channels of distribution in the later 20th and early 21st centuries presents a clear danger in terms of signal-to-noise of any song, however beautiful, however meaningful, being lost beneath the shifting sands. The vast majority of human cultural production from any one slice of history is rarely preserved. Why should this survive? And at the time I thought, because I wanted to. And I wondered if that was enough, if that made it good enough. In the years since then, though, I've taken some comfort in the fact that many Mountain Goat songs themselves constitute small acts of remembrance for things which might otherwise be forgotten entirely. I'm thinking about thylacines and the doomed Costa Rican golden toad at the razor's edge of species extinction in Deuteronomy 2.10, its tiny song the only form of expression at its disposal to claim my place beneath the sky. I'm thinking about your Belgian things ephemeral objects carried out of a Portland flophouse by guys in biohazard suits, which our camera-clicking narrator transmutes into remnants of immense archaeological significance, bones from deep down in the fertile crescent. I'm thinking about script that made prominent use of a pentagram, about Tolland Man, about Jean Loves Jezebel. So I wanted to start this project, which is itself a work of historical investigation, of Daniel's formation as an artist and mine as a person, by identifying the first of many recurring themes in the Mountain Goat's canon, a character's desire to be remembered by leaving a mark on the world. 
A trained classicist, the songwriter is naturally interested in the excavation of history. The recovery of lost objects, lost lives, can at once reanimate the past and draw attention to our own mortality. They can be prompts for new artistic production, too. In the liner notes to Beautiful Rat Sunset, Daniel rather charmingly thanks Aeschylus, though he would have probably found this record confusing on a number of levels. Some art, after all, does last. My friend Rob is fond of pointing out the sheer sublimity of the fulfilled promise in Horace's Odes 330, as memorably rendered by Ezra Pound. This monument will outlast metal, and I made it. Anyone who's taken an undergraduate class on Shakespeare might recognise the same idea in Sonnet 55. Not marble nor the gilded monuments of princes shall outlive this powerful rhyme. This trope, known in literary studies as the immortality topos, fits into a long literary tradition of poetic voices calling out to the future from the fragile present. Don't forget me. I meant something. I used to live here. In Suzoir Valley's song, a Neanderthal dies at La Chapelle Sainte Cave in southern France and becomes the earliest figure chronologically to stake this claim in Daniel's body of work. The song takes inspiration from William Golding's The Inheritors, a novel about a Neanderthal clan on the brink of being wiped out of history, but also from archaeological research. The old man mentioned in the song is a specific reference to a toothless Neanderthal elder discovered in 1908, with evidence of a hard life etched into his bones, whose long life and remarkably intact body have been used to argue that Neanderthal groups could have manifested some kind of ethics of care and commemoration. In John Llewellyn's New York Times essay, Neanderthals Were People Too, there's a touching moment when, face to face with a dig site, the abstractions of paleoanthropology suddenly snap into the same kind of empathetic recognition. What we were looking at were the remains of a single event, a specific fire on a specific night, made by specific Neanderthals, who cooked ibex mussels and nuts over an open flame, then made some tools before bed. This wasn't just a hearth, Marlon realises, it was a campfire. I've spent much of my weekend marking undergraduate essays about Rose Kelleher's wonderful 2008 sonnet, Neanderthal Bone Flute. The poem also looks for connection between modern humans and the young man, perhaps red-haired, from what Daniel calls a hook off to the side in the story of our development, who might have worked a piece of bare bone into an ancient flute in the Divya Baba cave in modern Slovenia. Daniel and Kelleher both alike evoke the pathos of Neanderthal extinction, but while the poet frames as wishful thinking her desire for the bone found by scientists to be a genuine Neanderthal art object, the ultimate source of the music in our marrow, the singer's interviews indicate he's keeping up with the field. Rebecca Rag Sykes points to what she deftly describes as multiple potential hybridising episodes between Neanderthals and Homo sapiens. Daniel Todd Pitchfork that mass extinction is no longer the operating theory, but it was the one that inspired me. I love the mountain goats, at least in part, because you can count on Daniel to know things, to say things like that. Like us, Daniel's early homonyms make weapons, bang the small rocks on the big ones till the small ones are sharp and clean, experiment with medical and hallucinogenic plants, and, in language surely very familiar to the former nurse who wrote the lines, assiduously tend to the needs of those few they hold close. Take care of the old man. See if he's in pain. Have somebody stay with him. Comfort him when he complains. What happens after his suffering has ended is at best ambiguous to these people, and Daniel certainly seems to see them as people, who can form friendships and dream pleasant dreams. Lead a long life if you're lucky. Hope it never ends. But however they pass their elders' passing, their culture faces a far more extensive erasure. 
No matter how far they've travelled from the theorised cradle of humanity, this is where it all stops. After the burial at La Chapelle aux Saints, the grass grows up to cover up the fire pit and the forge, symbols respectively of community and craft, half a world away from the Olduvai Gorge. The old man's gravesite is a commemoration, a bulwark against forgetting. This newsletter, among other things, stems from an impulse to do something similar. To remember and to make sense out of what one prolific artist has put into the world year by year across the course of my own life. John's forum post suggests a scepticism about this kind of posterity, but that doesn't rule out the power of trying your tiny song. The voice of the Costa Rican golden toad may not carry very far, but Deuteronomy 2.10 inhabits and thus preserves its impulse to vocalise, to make it known that it existed at all. No brothers left and there'll be no more after me. Maybe sometimes, when there are no more lasting traces, it's singing where the salvage happens. This episode was written and produced by me, Richard O'Brien. Most of the songs featured in this week's entry can be found on the Spotify playlist at the bottom of the newsletter. Thanks to John Darnielle for letting me quote from his songs, and to Camilla Chen and Dave Talbot for the drawing of Indiana Sawgrass on my arm in the header image. The sources of all other quotes are either linked to in the main text of the newsletter or given in footnote references. You can also find them in the show notes. Next week will be the first full episode looking at 1990 and the birth of the mountain goats with the song Going to Alaska. If you enjoyed the show, you might like to know that we have an Instagram at 30 underscore years underscore later, where I post new episodes, answers on game shows which I only know because of them having previously featured in Mountain Goat songs, and pictures of my cat interacting with the Panasonic RX FT500 boombox which I just bought on eBay and which I'm planning to experiment with a lot more soon through some practices research recordings. If you want to hear the results, follow the Instagram, and you can also find me on Twitter as at NotRockyHorror. You can also get the podcast version of the newsletter on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. All that's left to say is please subscribe to the Substack and tell your few remaining friends.